Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at Acast. Yeah, welcome along to another strange Yellow Army podcast. I hope this uh, this finds you well. Richard and I are not only in separate rooms today; we're in separate towns, so we're uh, we're linking up by the miracle of the uh, the online hangout. So hopefully that works. We'll begin this week uh, in a few moments with uh, with a chat that Richard had with Gary earlier on this week, where he uh, talks about the uh, how much he's looking forward to getting the extended family back together again, how much we're all looking forward to um, to getting some football back. We move on then. We've reached the letter B in the A to Z of Torquay United. We've only just started this. We're in this for the long haul. We've got plenty of Bs to talk about a little bit later on. Uh, Bateson, Bryn, Barnett, they all come up in the Bs a little bit later on. But as I say, we begin with Richard's chat with Gary, uh, and he starts by asking a question about the uh, the long runs that the players are doing as part of their training while they're uh, while they're away from the camp. The boys are, you know, they have their one run a day. It's a, quite a long one on occasion, so, but it's still one. Um, and so they can still carry on their, their programme for the time being. Um, obviously, they're all desperate to you know, pick up a football and, yeah. and play a five or so head against some teammates um, and they will get frustrated. But we're just, you know, we're trying to give them enough information to keep them, their minds active, but also to keep them active within the guidelines of, uh, you know, t- today's events. Is mind as important as body at the moment, do you think? It is, definitely. And, you know, I've, I, every, you know, I, I, Downsy sends them a, um, you know, a little bit of an update on the, on the government stuff. Um, we send them updates on their training schedules, try and give them videos that we think they should watch. I've asked them to watch you know, their own game, um, as well as, you know, the good and the bad, as well as watching somebody that you'd like to emulate that's okay. playing at a higher level, you know. So it's just trying to uh, keep their minds Active and they're not just you know sitting on a sofa after their run. Um, you know, obviously, to relax they can, but but later on get their mental state in uh, good shape. Absolutely, and and food and stuff like that. I guess it's been monitored as well, is it? Yeah, they know what they're supposed to be eating. Um, Kai, our Kai Hatworth, our physio, and uh, he's our medical man, but he's also our nutritionalist, and he's very very good at that. And, um, yeah, the boys know what they should be eating, you know, and hopefully um, they know that they've got to come back the same way as they left. <laughs> so um, we, we don't think it's that hard with the training regime, but they've also got to put the right fuel in their bodies, and that's the, the food, as it were. Um, looking for, well, I, t- I talked to um, Martin Rogers this week for the, for the Mid-Devon paper, uh, yeah. And his his thoughts at the moment are, you know, the poor bloke. To be, he couldn't even go to his father's funeral this week because he was feeling rough. Oh dear. Um, oh dear. You know, so it's affecting everyone in different ways. Yeah. Of uh, his thoughts are that let's get this season finished and not even think about next season until until this one's finished. In other words, 
Um, however long it takes to finish this season, even if yeah. that means we don't play next season, that that's his right. priority. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a good idea to um, finish a season, however long that takes. Yeah. Even if it means um, next season is different. Well, that's different to what you just said. I mean, what I wouldn't want them to do is cancel next season right, okay. because there'll, yeah. there'll be a lot of footballers and clubs go out of business. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. I know, you know, of course, there's a more important thing of people's lives and everything, but, um, you know, they seem to think that in time, however, whatever time that is, we will be over this um, virus. And I think that, in, is it Australia somewhere where instead of playing, um, the, the, like it's for next season, I think, instead, I heard this from right. somewhere, yeah. that instead of playing teams home and away and, and ending up, you know, having to play 46 games, that you could have half that amount of games, 23, uh-huh. if it's a shorter season. And and obviously, the luck of the draw as to who you're at home yeah. with and who you're away. So that might be a, a, a good idea. So you're, that, you're um, kind of you know, prepared for next season to be slightly different from, from the norm? Yeah, I, I think you've got to be prepared for everything. I mean, our boys have got to be prepared for the season to start, you know, within the next month or two. Um, and then as, as clubs... You know, we got to prepare for every yeah. or any eventuality. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of discussions going on at the moment. We're only in the infancy of this of this problem and, and we're all caught up in it. So we can all have our... At least we've got time to talk. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. the, the authorities will speak to um, the clubs to say, what do you think? And if, you know, my club will come to me and we'll talk about it and... We'll decide what we think as and when we look like we're getting out of this situation. Um, I guess you've been speaking to George Edwards quite a bit. Is there any worries about financial implications of this at the club? Well, there's always there'll be worries everywhere at every club at this moment in time. And uh, but you know, as yet we we haven't had that um, you know that conversation where you know people are going to uh, either lose their jobs or, or, or lose part of their their salary. Um, now, how long that can last, I don't know. Um, and we're all in the same boat. But what I do know about, you know, George and Clark and, and our club is that, you know, that they won't do anything just on a, on a whim. They'll they'll do things for the, the, the right reasons that have calculated whatever it is they need to calculate and uh, and come up with the, the formula that needs to happen. So if there's no change, then fantastic. If there is a change, then, you know, of, of course, we have to accept it. But uh, there's certainly been no discussions as such um, as far as, uh, you know, the finances are called. Okay, cool. Um, one last thing. Another thing that me and Martin talked about yesterday was I wonder what the crowds are going to be like the first game back. Well, again, it depends on how quickly they want to do it. I mean, if it's an early start, um, there won't be no crowds because they won't, you know, they won't allow gatherings again in case the, you know, the graph goes up again. But you know, if they leave, if they leave it so that it's safe, then I'm sure there'll be, you know, big crowds because they'll be desperate for some form of 
entertainment yeah. that, that shows that uh, we can entertain and certainly you know we'll be looking to all clubs are looking to do that of course but um you know you, you we need our extended family back don't we you know we, we we're all linking isolated yeah. and just our very close ones that live in the same house but uh, we're all going to need company pretty soon and uh hopefully uh you know, when we get out of this, we'll all be looking forward to seeing each other again. It'll be like the first day when the pubs are open again, won't it? It'll be everyone's back together and, uh, you know, time to celebrate after, <laughs> well, after well, a desperate time. Well, that might be your vision, the pubs, <laughs> but it won't be an athlete's vision <laughs> exactly. like mine. So good to hear from Gary there, Richard. Um, good to hear from you as well, even though we're not even in the same town this week because we're uh, we're social distancing, aren't we? We're both in Torbay, though, guys. We're both in Torbay, different ends of the bay. So, um, now you, we, we've just been out. We've been doing various bits and pieces this morning, and you've um, you've experienced the long arm of the law, haven't you? I have. I, I was stopped by the police along Riviera Way, um, asking why I was out. I, I, I was out because I was picking up a prescription for my parents and dropping the medication off to them. So they were quite happy about that. But it's interesting that you know that's happening. I, I'd heard it was happening, but to actually experience it was uh, was quite weird. It's a good thing, though, isn't it? I suppose, you know, because there are people who've been out and about, there have been people out in the sunshine, it's important that everybody gets the message, I suppose, isn't it? Well, the odd thing is, it's really sunny out there today. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent um, half an hour in a queue outside the chemist. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't the worst half an hour <laughs> I spent in a queue, to be fair, because it was lovely. I hope you were at least... At least two metres from the person in front. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's running two metres apart and stuff like that. I think we've got a little bit of a delay here. I think we have. We'll have to... Um, we, you, listeners are just going to have to bear with us while we uh, while we busk it around this. It seems a long time ago that we were all sat in a room, five or six of us all in Gary Johnson, all in Chris Todd's office up at the training ground, um, all of us within two metres of each other. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um it, I mean, I've spoken to Gary this week, obviously, you, you played that out earlier on, and, um, you know, he's he's sitting at home, chatting to people through technology like this, his brother, um, Aaron Downs, you know, and, and, and he's finding it quite weird, we're all finding it quite weird, <laughs> yes, I think. Is that, um, is that Bertie out here in the background, by the way, Bertie the Dachshund who tries to take my foot off? Yeah. Yeah, no, Bertie. Is, is in the corridor at the moment um, and uh, I've got the door closed but his bark's quite loud for a yeah, tiny dog Ashbrows yeah. have massive barks. So I'm missing him terribly I tell you, I'm also missing football terribly Yeah The other thing yeah. you can hear at the moment is builders still working on the housing estate or not housing estate but the three or four houses down the road Yeah um, which I find incredible because they're holiday homes Oh hang on now that's actually quite interesting. This is a mm. digger towing a van up the road. Okay. Okay. The things you see in, in lockdown. <laughs> there you go. And the things we find to talk about. Do you realise it was February the 29th that we last saw a football match at Plainmore, the 2 0 win over Chorley? And March, was it really? March oh, was the 7th. It was. March the 7th was the last time Torquay played, uh, which we won't remember very fondly because that was the, uh, the defeat up at Sutton. But uh, it's been an awful long time, hasn't it? Of course, they were supposed to be playing Boreham Wood the following Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, that was called off on the Friday because 
um, Mikel Arteta, the Arsenal manager, had been diagnosed with COVID-19. And so That's Paul Woods linked with Arsenal saw pay to that. Um, that it was supposed to... That morning, supposed... though, on the Saturday morning, yeah. there was a game of National League football on BT Sport, which was probably the last televised English football game, I should imagine. Yeah. And I can remember thinking, shall I watch it? Shall I? No, I won't. And of course, maybe I shouldn't have done because uh, it's going to be a while before we see football on the, uh, the telly again. It is. Three games postponed now. What's the latest that we're hearing from the National League? I see the Boreham Wood chairman has been online this morning talking about, uh, you know, they're trying to clarify how and when they might end the season. But we haven't heard anything for definite, have we? No, we haven't. Um, I don't think it'll be too long before we hear anything now. There was a bit of confusion in uh, in the week when... The FA met with teams at steps five, or representatives of teams from steps five and six. Mm. Now, I got a, a, a text from someone saying, oh, it's a National League's been called off. Of course, step five is step five of non-league, yeah. not step five of the entire football pyramid. So that is Western League. Uh, downwards, uh, maybe not the Western League thinking about it, Peninsula League around here <coughs> downwards yeah. and uh, no, Western League, sorry, Western League downwards um, the Essex FA, that's really hard to say the Essex <laughs> FA um, tweeted that um, all football was going to be null and void underneath that level Yeah, um, but they were the only do it. The, 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 the local paper up there in Essex picked up on it, did a story about it, but quite soon it became obvious that they jumped the gun. Right. And uh, still no statement on that level of football has come from anyone else, including the FA. Um, in fact, I think Essex FA got a bit of a telling off about it. Mm. But uh, that shows that discussions are being held at all levels of football. And, um, you know, we, we, we must be getting a decision soon. There, there, are so. many, there are many thoughts, train, trains of thoughts on what should happen to the, to the National League. Should it be suspended as it is now and then played until the end of the season whenever that's possible, which is what uh, Gary talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Should it be stopped now and just start afresh next season? Should there be some kind of points evaluation where games played plus points already in the bank are adjusted? Um, pools pa- I pools think, panel, you know, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. Well, pools panel is, is a term that was used during foot and mouth during yeah. rugby. Yeah. Um, when that had to rugby. So there is a precedent, although not in football, but that, that has happened. Mm. Um, I. The idea of, of, of some people sitting around a table deciding what the results of games were going to be is, is absolutely ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. I'd rather have them done on FIFA. Um, <laughs> I think you're... You know, oh, didn't... I, don't, I don't think the league has covered itself in glory over this. They've been very quiet. There's been, there's been no, no real communication between fans and the league itself. And it's the fans who pay the money to keep this league going. That's no, quite what, right. You know, the end of the day, what, what we're looking at. Um, and of course, some clubs within the National League have nothing to play for. They reasonably would be quite happy to end the, yeah. end the division now. Nellan Boyd starts again. What Other about teams, the teams in the bottom four places, though? Yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah, the, yeah. the only two who are in the bottom four would obviously like to see Nellan Boyd. 
those just above the bottom bottom four would would, would hate to see none of you know, it, it's a minefield so you know how you can't you're never going to be able to please all the teams no no that's very true very true indeed um we should talk a little bit about the um, the, the the A to Z that we've been uh, discussing on the uh, to Talk United Yellow Army podcast. Pardon? So what this week? We did A last week. So what is it this week? It's B this week, Richard. Oh, it's B <laughs> this week. Just a, a little bit of a, being logical, I suppose. Going on to B, everybody's trying to find uh, creative ways of um, of talking about football and creating football content. Yeah. I was very glad to see the um, the BBC basically did uh, televised their podcast on Saturday night, which was Gary Lineker, Ian Wright, and Alan Shearer. Not really making a great deal more sense than we do, to be honest. It was um, it was quite entertaining. And uh, on Monday, eh? They were in Gary Lineker's kitchen. This was before social distancing was um, was such a big oh. issue, I think. But uh, they all appeared to be in his kitchen, much as I am now in mine. And on um, Monday or Tuesday night, I believe our colleagues down at the Plymouth Evening Herald, didn't they uh, live broadcast somebody playing the Devon Derby, the Argyle-Exeter game on FIFA? I don't know how that went in the end. but uh, The Argyle... Yeah, I don't know how it went either. The Argyle game versus Exeter was played and broadcast. I'm not sure it was live, but I think it was recorded and a, a commentary by Chris Errington was put over the top of it. Um, I must have a look and see what happened there. We should have done that. About that. Now, go, I, I'm a trailblazer because going back to the 1998 World Cup, yeah. I uh, had a Nintendo 64 and uh, just before the World Cup, yeah. the... Um, uh, I can't remember which company it was, but the, 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 the one that did the big game, football games at the time, bought out the World Cup uh, uh, 98 uh, version. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played all of the qualifi- all of the first round games and went right through as they, as they were set out to be played and then went right, right through quarterfinals, semifinals, the last 16 quarterfinals, semifinals and final. And yeah. Spain won. Ah, okay. I had a lot of, I had a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> you must have done, but they don't. You could stand up just to play each other while you watch it, you see. Yeah, you are a trailblazer on that, definitely. Oh, yeah. Very good. Good stuff. In many things, not just that. Uh, <laughs> right, the alphabet. We reach B, and we've got, I've got loads written in my little black book here. Now, you can see this because you can see me on the webcam. I can't see you, so uh, that's probably just as well. The first thing that I've got down for the bees has got to be Bryn. Bryn the police dog. Bryn. From the great Bryn game. The we discussed Bryn quite a bit um, a couple of months ago when they launched that magnificent beer, which presumably is sitting up there in barrels, keeping perfectly well at Boots and Laces, just waiting for our return. But, uh, yeah, That's Bryn the police... What, what, what eh? What day that'll be? Oh, it will. It will, yeah. I, now, I, as you mentioned to Gary about the, um, the the excitement of the pubs opening when uh, when this is all blown over and we'll go down the Winchester and have a pint till it's all blown over, but uh, that is going to be some day, isn't it? The first home match, the bar open, football at Plainmore, a pint of Bryn in your hand. That's going to be a good day. Big crowd, I thought. A big, big crowd. I mean, you know, you can't judge these things until we know exactly how how it's all going to turn out. But you would have thought, if the season resumes, yeah, 
um, there will be a big crowd there for that first game. Of course, we we don't even know who that first game will be against. No, no, quite. Because the the fixtures might need swizzling around a bit, really, to suit everyone. So that... uh, Yeah. Yeah, quite. I've lost you, uh, slightly lost the volume here somehow. Are you still there, Richard? I am still here. Can you hear me? Fabulous. I can. We had a little bit of a technical hitch there, but I think we probably got away with it. But yes, yeah, so uh, okay. Bryn, Bryn the police dog. <laughs> Bryn the police dog has to take pride of place in the bees, I think. I don't think there's any bee that we're going to be able to find that's going to take the place of that. Next on my list, of course, is Barnet. The 5th of May, 2001. Another, another big game. I mean, you know, both of those games were dramatic games, weren't they? Huge games, huge games indeed. Um, were, were you at Underhill that day, Richard? Were you um, were you working I elsewhere? You were there, were you? No, no. Uh, even before, I, it was just before I started working for the club. Yeah. And actually, I went up on my own. I drove up to Barnet and um, sat on my own. Yeah. Um, You're never alone in a Yellow Army there. crowd, though. <laughs> a friend of mine was there, but he he's, he wasn't a Torquay fan. He was a Gillingham fan. And I met him up there. Yeah. And he went in the Barnet end just because it was easier to get in, I think. Um, so I met him after the game on the pitch. There was a big pitch invasion, if you remember. There was, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I sat on my own in that temporary stand. Do you remember that? They yeah, I was there. The temporary stand behind the goal. Yeah, I was in there as well. Yeah. It was. Uh, and, it, it was an amazing game, wasn't it? There were a lot of Torquay fans who didn't get in. Um, but as, as Dave was pointing out a little while ago, I'd forgotten this. It was For some reason, there were no games involving um, the top clubs. Maybe it was an international break that day. Uh, and a lot of Spurs and Arsenal fans had decided, well, we'll go and watch this game at Barnet because it was being talked about. It was being talked up in the media as being the biggest game of the day because there were no games in the top division. Uh, and there well, go on. I was just saying it was. It was being talked up. Yeah. Yeah, and the spectacle before the game of some of these fans who had tickets, the Arsenal and Spurs fans, coming down the line of Torquay fans and giving them their tickets, because it became obvious quite early on that we weren't all going to get in. Um, and Mr. Curry was up the tree behind the uh, the stand, and it, people were trying to get vantage points anywhere they could. It was a heck of a game as well, wasn't it? 5,523 people there. It was absolutely packed. Uh, another B, who we're going to mention in a minute, played. Tony Beddo, of course, was part of that uh, Torquay United team. And I'd forgotten quite what an entertaining game it was, what an incident-packed game it was. Lee Harrison, the Barnet keeper, was injured in the first minute, which I'd forgotten. Yeah. Uh, Jason Reese put us in front after 10 minutes. Kevin Hill headed a second. Uh, after 25, David Graham made it 3-0 just before half-time. All the goals in front of us, weren't they? Down at the bottom end of the slope in front of the away fans? They were, and then what happened then was, uh, obviously, the second half was a completely different story. And absolutely horrendous to watch. It was in fact, own... I did yeah. the last... Um, 10 minutes, I think, in the toilet because I couldn't <laughs> face it. <laughs> now, you've never told me that before. I hadn't realised that. It was no. a, a Ryan Green own goal, got them back into it. And then I think it was That's Wayne... Right. he was on for something like Wolves. I, I think remember. he was. 
And then Wayne Purser got them another one back 15 minutes from time. And it really was all hands on deck, wasn't it, for that um, those last 15 minutes. Stuart Jones had already we saved had... a penalty. Yeah, and there was also someone missed a sitter. Um... Yes, it was. Oh, who it was. oh, I'd forgotten who it is um, now. But you know, we should have should have put it to bed. Yeah, and he missed. Um, well, yeah, it was an extraordinary day. It Amazing scenes day. on the pitch at the end as well. Absolutely extraordinary yeah. scenes on the pitch at the end, if I remember rightly. I'll have to have a look through and see if I can find a picture of that. I stayed at my friend Sean's in um, in. He was living in Chiswick at the time afterwards, but. Um, me, and, me and Jason, the guy, the Gillingham fan that I was with, we, we, we went into Camden, her drink, ended up in the world's end, yes. talking to people who were also <laughs> been at the game. That's a great um, pub as well, um, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And then, um, and, and then I remember buying the early editions of the national newspapers at the train station to get back to Chiswick and reading them on the train. So, yeah, it was, it was one of those days. What a day that was. Everybody will have their own stories of those. Do share them with us. Um, drop us an email. Tell us what your memories of the great day at Barnet are. Um, there we go. They did, next on the Bs, three chairmen, beginning with B. Go on, have I cut you off in your prime on Barnet? No, 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 carry on. Chairman, Tony Boyce, Mike Bateson, yep. Mervyn Benny. All quite recent chairman of Torquay, all the bees. Um, it's always good to have, a, as a club, to have a chairman who's a bit of a character. And all three of those were um, were big characters, weren't they? In in um, in terms of club chairman, Tony Boyce, we talked about last week, introducing uh, Herb Alpert after bringing his uh, a gramophone record home from his holiday in Benidorm or wherever it was. But Mervyn Benny and Mike Bateson saw us through some fairly tumultuous times, didn't they? I did. They did. I mean, I, I, I knew Mike and, and Mervyn very well. Um, I've seen Mervyn uh, at odd times at, at South Devon League yeah. <clears throat> games, Herald Cups and stuff, because obviously he's their president. So I've seen a lot more than Mervyn than I have of Mike in recent years. Mike, Mike uh, enjoys his time alone, I think, in his house reading reading the latest novels. He always used to be reading the latest bestseller. Yeah. Um, or the arty side, which is obviously quite, quite weird, you know, the Ian McEwans and stuff like that. But no, they, they, they were very, very characterful people um, and helped the club through a time when, you know, no one else really wanted to. Um, and a lot of people forget that, you know, the, the Bateson came under a lot of criticism during that period when he was the chairman and the owner yeah um, but I think without him I don't think you know uh, well we certainly wouldn't have stayed in the league as long as we did he certainly um, kept us upright didn't he you certainly know, you know we, we never um never went into receivership never you know the, the club was always um was always clean and upright wasn't it and Mike would go out and build you know, stuff on the training ground. I don't know many other chairmen in the football league that would, would have would have done that during that period. He would have been making the dugouts himself. You know that that kind of thing. Yeah, very hand on. And you know, I haven't spoken to him. I don't think since the day he, you know, he did say in in the Herald Express at the time. He said, right, that's it now. You know, for the first time in X number of years. I, I'm not involved and I'm just going to enjoy not being involved with the football club after all that he's been through. And, and I don't think I've spoken to him since. used to speak to him on an almost daily basis at one time, but um, yeah, not um, not seen him at all. So hoping he's well. And if you're listening to Mike, hello. Yeah, indeed. Uh, B is for Mike's Bad... Listening. 
<laughs> Beers for Babacom End as well. The old, um, the old way end. City. Yeah. Do you remember it when it was just uh, railway sleepers down at that far end of the ground, I though? Do. Yeah, kind of cinder railway sleeper kind of arrangement going on. Um, yeah. Um, back in the day when you could actually change, swap ends of the ground at half time to be uh, to see your team attacking, and there'd always be that moment when uh, one set of fans and the other set of fans would pass in front of the pop side, and that could get a little bit sparky from time to time. But uh, we'll we'll deal with that a little bit more when we get to M and mini stand. I think. Yeah, I mean, of course. Is also important because Torquay United was formed by the amalgamation of um, Torquay Town and Babacombe Football Club. Of course, yeah. Um, so you know there is the seeds of, of the club within Babacombe. I mean, obviously, Playmore was Babacombe's ground. Yeah, yeah. And also, just the bees, uh, Julian, of course, whose idea this is, and who will uh, who will get us through times of no football, came up with a team of players beginning with B. Including a lot of your favourites. Is he going to be able to do this? Are Is he you... going to be able to do this every week? Because, um, <laughs> you know, obviously the Zs are going to be impossible, the Xs and, and maybe the Ys. But, but I'll be impressed if he can he can do the major letters every week. He's a couple um, of weeks ahead of us. He's done he's done the season Ds already, so he's a couple of weeks That's ahead of us. Okay. So he's using his self isolation time very very usefully indeed. I think. But excellent stuff. So there's a meme going around on Facebook where you have to write down an A to Z of all the bands that you've seen. Now I've seen thousands of bands over over, over all the years that I've been into music. So I'm yeah. a massive music fan, as you know. Although my tastes are quite obscure, but I tried to do it yesterday and I wouldn't publish mine because I couldn't think of a K and I couldn't think of an X and I couldn't think of a Q. And okay. I was really annoyed that out of all the bands I've ever seen in my life, there were three letters I couldn't do. You haven't seen the Kinks then. I've seen the Kinks. I could do K. Right, so you've got K. Q, uh, Very Q, good. The Q-tips with Paul Young at the 400 Club. You've got that as well. Yeah. Well what, what was the other one? Z or X? No, 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 X. I've got Z. I saw the Zombies. Okay. I never saw X-Ray Specs and I never saw XTC. Um, yeah. X, X, those X. Are the, those are the kind of two that come up from people's lists yeah never saw them I think you might have me on X well we'll yeah. we'll deal with this I can do this. the list again including those letters about a hundred times with different bands <laughs> but those three letters are really annoying so we might have problems with those letters yeah you got me thinking now I'll try and do that myself this afternoon if there's a bit <laughs> of downtime but okay the team of bees in goal we've got Scott Bevan Scott Bevan who was yeah. here from 2008 to 2011 Played 89 games. He, he arrived as cover for Michael Polk originally and, and ended up playing a lot because Michael Polk got himself injured. Uh, looked him up Did this morning. Like uh, what? Scott Bevan? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know? I looked him up this morning. I, I jotted loads of stuff my, down. Uh, my, my, my lack of knowledge during that period because, as I said, that kind of period is when I was in London working on, on a national. So uh, I wasn't really... On a Saturday, I was more, I was doing other things, ah. unfortunately. Well, Scott Bevan was the star. Chris Hargreaves used to make videos for us in the early days of um, Herald Express websites. And Scott Bevan was always the star of uh, Chris's videos. A bit of a bodybuilder, Scott Bevan, the Bevanator. 
Um, he always used to be working out or something. But glad to say, by the look of it, he's now the goalkeeping coach, or he's on the goalkeeping coaching staff at Birmingham City with their under-23s. Wow. So doing well. That's it's excellent. always nice to know that ex-girls are doing well. So in across the back, John Bond is one of the defenders there. Big name from Torquay's past, of course. He was at West Ham uh, up until 1966. Joined Torquay from 66 to 69. It's another one, one of those players, doesn't happen so much these days, a player that plays at the top level and then ends up finishing their playing career down through the divisions. There aren't very many players who do that anymore, are there? But no, there aren't. I mean, we've had a few, haven't we? Tony Curry, Chris Waddle. Uh, yeah. But um, they've dried up recently, haven't they? Absolutely. Never they've got too much money now, They have. They, have. They, they, don't. they don't need to come down and play Torquay. They don't. John Bond played 130 games for Torquay, scored 12 goals, was much better known as a manager, managed Bournemouth, Norwich, Manchester City, Burnley, Swansea, Birmingham City, Shrewsbury, but best known possibly for Bondy's Tuck Shop. Back in the days when footballers needed something to do in the off-season, he used to have a tuck shop in Ellicombe, I think it was. Really? Was it in Ellicombe? But Mike Green had a tweet shop down in Chidelston. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Go, he was a um, sub-postmaster as well, wasn't he, at one time? Mike? Was that right? Yeah. I think so. But, uh, yeah, those were the days when the players needed something other than football to get them through the close season. Uh, also in the back four, Dan Butler who was here 2015-2016, 45 games, two goals. Good fullback, Dan Butler. I liked him a lot. Um, it was a bit of a disappointment when we lost him, I think. Yeah, I, I did like him as well. He was very attacking, uh, had a really good left foot, didn't he? He did. Uh, put, some, put in some good crosses for, uh, I think, uh, Kiefer Moore might might have, have, have nodded in a few of those goals during that period. Certainly, um, he is playing in the league now, isn't he? He's at Peterborough. Are you going to tell me, or have I put you on the spot? No, he's at Peterborough now. He was at Newport County. Right. Okay. I think he's at Peterborough. Oh, so he must have just gone to Peterborough. Yeah, but the the good thing for him is uh, what I hadn't realised. He gets um, he's been awarded a couple of awards for his work in the community with um, with young people in the community. He does a lot outside football. Um, and he's, he's a good guy, so Dan Butler, he deserves a place in this Bees team. Next man up, good stuff. Guy Branston. The legend that is Guy, guy Branston. Uh, 2011 uh, Talk United Player of the Year. He was there 2010-2011, two goals in 61 games. Just quick look at Wikipedia, he appears to have played for 20 teams in a long and illustrious career, Guy Branston. Massively popular That's over on the pop side, though. He's um, yeah, hugely popular figure over on the pop side. You know, with, with people like um, who who go over there used to love watching him play because he would always play up to the pop side. Uh, a real hard man, Guy Branson, but a thinker as well. You know, a good player. You know, everything about his game was right, wasn't it? Well, again, he falls in the window when I was away, but I, I, I do remember he was a fan's favourite, and um, he's he quite vocal as well. He liked liked to like to say say the odd thing or two, didn't he? Absolutely, and um, you know, we're all the better for that. Alongside him, yeah. a, chap, a chap called Clint Bolton, who is um, who still lives locally, um, came to Torquay from Port Vale. He was here from 1971 to 1979. Had a long time at Playmore. He was Player of the Year in '77. 34 goals in 262 games for Torquay. So, um, 
yeah, he's very, very worthy of his place in the side. And the next one... We, we will talk about it. We will talk about it in a minute, but um, I'm doing a quiz for the for the, the print, for the paper, for the Herald Express next week, and uh, I've been doing a lot of research yesterday, and I shall be doing some more today after after we've put the... Uh, the proverbial the, the, the phone down or whatever this is we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what this is either but it's working so far um, but um, he, he comes up you know a lot in, in the records and uh, you know obviously a key player during that period when he was at the club one extra player who's um, who could be on the subs bench here this is a good one for your pub quiz by the way um, well I hope I'm not stealing your thunder we might be giving people a bit of a hint here but which ex talker United player has three First Division slash Premier League titles to his name? Two FA Cup wins, a League Cup and a Cup Winners' Cup. Played nine games on loan here from Stoke City in 1982 well, and is now on the coaching oh, staff at Stoke Arsenal. City, I know. Steve? Yeah, I know. Do you want me to give the answer? Or not? <laughs> Go on. Steve Bold. Steve Bold. Steve Bold is your man. That's always a good one for a pub quiz. Yeah, nine games on loan, so we can claim him as an ex-goal. Into the midfield, a chap by the name of Chris Brandon. You remember Chris Brandon playing at Torquay? He was here in 2002. Have you? Oh, there you go. He was a good player. He was a good, good player, a sort of a, a quite a cultured, clever player. He turned pro with us in '99, which I hadn't realised. Suffered a few injuries. Well, and he, came from, he came from Bradford Park Avenue. He did. You're where right. He'd been playing quite well in, in Northern football, and um, we took a punt on him. Um, and yeah, he was a, a decent player, um, good midfielder. Um, Leroy Rossini, I think, or Roy McFarlane both used him up front as well when uh, when when that occasion was needed. Um, not very often, but he, he was adaptable and he was a good player. And I think, if my memory serves me right, did he go to Chesterfield afterwards? He did go to um, Chesterfield in 2002. Yeah. He went to Chesterfield. But uh, yeah, 10 goals and in 83 he, games. He had a half-decent career afterwards as well. He stayed in the league for a considerable time, I think. He did, did. Good player. We liked him. Next man up is possibly the... Now, I stand to be corrected on this, but possibly the only ex-Talker United player to have a statue um, erected of him. There's a statue of this bloke at the Hawthorns, West Bromwich Albion's ground. Well, Tony... <laughs> no, that's just in my garden. Now, Tony Brown. Well, is, Tony Brown is your man. Bomber Brown. Yeah. 720 games for West Bromwich Albion, one England cap. And then Franco Farrell and Bruce Riott managed to charm him to come down to Plainmore from 81 to 83. He played 45 games for Torquay, um, 11 goals in that time as well. But um, well, what a, what a, just a great player to actually have in your team, I think. He, well, he, another player, like, like you mentioned earlier on, that has come to Torquay at the end of his career yeah. and, and done, a, done a reasonable job. In uh, fact, probably a more reasonable job than some of the, team, the other players that we've mentioned. Mm. Yeah, I think you're probably right. He was a, a really, really good player. And that side was a, not a very successful side, but um, you know, some good names in that. Keith Bowker gets the nod in midfield. The next one, Julian has picked Keith Bowker. Proper local hero, Keith. It's always good to have a, a player in your local professional side who's played in the uh, local amateur leagues, I always think. You know, this is why it's good... Um, you know, to have players like Jared Lewington coming into the team, Kiefer Moore did it as well, didn't he? The players who've played 
you know, at local level, it gives uh, gives the fans somebody you know re- really significant to cheer on, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we can be romantic about it, uh, but uh, so they've got to they've got to be good enough. But yeah. um, you know, some are, some are. But you know, it's good. You get a player, Steve Carpenter is another one, and people like that. The delay is killing us here a bit, but um, uh, it, it, I don't know much about Keith Balco. The, the, the name came up when I was going through Talking Night Records for the quiz yesterday, and uh, I did I did wonder if he is he related to the the current day Balcas, the Tonys, and indeed, the Steves, and indeed, the, all part of the, of the local family, all steeped in local football. Um, so there are quite a few local, mm. you know, football. Families, aren't there? And, there um, are indeed. The Bastos, the um, yeah, the, 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 there's a few more as well. Yeah, Billy Boat. Of yeah, played for us from Wokham Wanderers. Sorry, mate. We are getting the, the delay is getting worse here, isn't it? So uh, just moving on. Billy Bowden is the next man in your midfield. Uh, he was here 2011 to 2014. He has one full cap for Wales. Now playing for Preston North End. Strange player, Billy. We got um, we got loads out of him in his original loan spell with us. Um, but I never really felt we got the best out of him after that. He was slightly blighted by injury while he was here. Played 87 games for Torquay. Um, scored 11 goals. But his best football um, came when he moved on to Bristol Rovers. Uh, he moved on to Bristol Rovers with, um, with Paul Buckle, I think. Yeah, once again, Billy fell in that period when I was away, so I didn't see him much, but have, uh, yeah, good player. I've picked some players that you don't know here, haven't I? So, but I, one of your big heroes is coming up next. We move up to the strikers. Tony Beddo, who I know is um, a bit of a favourite of yours. Yeah, I, I like Tony as a, a, as a lad, as well as a footballer. He was around the scene while I was, just before I was working with the club, but I was quite close to... to Debates and etc. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was able to, to, to meet some of the players. And Beds is a really nice player, quite quiet, quite shy. Yeah, um, but um, he, I was thinking about him last night actually. He had a period where he really looked like he was going to go on and make it as a, as a big, big player. Well, Sheffield he Wednesday were in trial, yeah, I, I think it was Sunderland took him on trial mm. during the season and then uh, didn't act upon it um, after he scored quite a few goals in the first half of the season. Um, and, yeah, I never really got his potential out of him because I think he could have been really good. Yeah, um, you picked up four... He, he was one of those players people willing, willing all the time to do better. Yeah, picked up four international caps for Grenada as well along the way, which Did is really good. Played 330 games for Torquay. Um, you see... That's the thing. If you'd said to me how many games did Tony Beddow play for Torquay, I would have made made a hesitant guess of about 150. So 300 odd. 330. That may be only league games as well. I only had a quick look at this this morning, so other people out there may wow. um, may have better figures. But a lot of games played for Torquay as well. And we've paired it. We've paired him up front with Willie Brown. Willie Brown from the mid 1970s, fellow from uh, Falkirk. Not one of your heroes, or was that Willie Young? Well, they're both were my heroes, but Willie Brown, yeah, Willie Brown, absolutely in the seventies. He was um, big character, you know, a, a, a great player. Really got stuck in, hugely popular, and scored a lot of goals. Forty-seven goals he scored for Torquay in one hundred and thirty-nine games. Um, we signed him in nineteen seventy-five. 
Uh, he went on to Minehead, and I believe he still lives up in Minehead. Um, he's not been in the best of health lately, so hopefully this finds you well, Willie, if you're listening. Um, and well, well worth a place in the Bees team here. Great absolutely. player. Yeah, absolutely. And there's only one person who can manage this team, of course, and that's Paul Buckle. Paul, oh, yes. <laughs> manager at uh, Playmore 2007 to 2011 before he moved on to Bristol Rovers. Uh, he also played, of course, for Torquay in the mid-90s, played 70 games for Torquay. Um, they did pretty well. And now I believe, if Wikipedia is to be believed, he's the technical advisor at Hartford Athletic in, uh, in the United States. So doing well over there. Again, as we started this with Scott Bevan, it's always nice to know that uh, ex-girls are doing well. So uh, Paul, hopefully, still enjoying life over in the States. One of the, one of the biggest uh, university, team, university teams out there, I believe. Dave, Dave Thomas used to speak to him uh, on the odd occasion still. And, um, you know, their university teams get sometimes get bigger crowds than our championship clubs. So, yeah, yeah he's doing a good job out there. Good stuff. Good stuff indeed. So that, I think, brings us to the end of B. You know, we've rambled on for quite a long time, but if everybody's at home and unable to work, then um, maybe we've taken up a bit of your time that um, you'd have just spent staring out the window or doing a jigsaw or something like that. So, so next week, in the paper, I have been talking this up. We're going to have a quiz. Um, hopefully it will be over two pages, and it's... I'm trying to gauge how hard it's got to be, uh, <laughs> guy. Who, are, who am I aiming at? You have to be. It has difficult. to be a mixture because for everybody who's just you know just got a passing interest in talking, you've got some real anoraks out there. You're going to have to pitch it quite high. I know it's going to be. I, I think different rounds are going to be different strengths. If you mm. know what I mean. Um, I, I I've been playing with a. The 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s and 2000s at the moment, yeah. um, as in rounds. But there'll be a kind of generational thing. And then um, I've got a few quirky rounds planned. <laughs> um, I, I, I shall be having a word with Grant, who, who works out how many pages I can have, because at the moment my head is so full of stuff that it could be an entire copy of the Herald Express. I, I would go but, out, I'd be uh, first in line to go out and buy one of those. But um, I've been writing questions feverishly, and then on Sunday I'm going to sit down and start designing it and seeing what we can do and, and how much space I need. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's actually quite a, quite a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we've all got to find things to do, haven't we, over the next few weeks? As as we said right at the beginning, we hope that all our listeners are safe and well, and all your families are as well. And um, you know, if we can just carry on talking about football, it won't be long before it's actually back, will it? Indeed, indeed. And I just, just quickly before before we stop talking about the quiz, because it's what I want to talk about at the moment. <laughs> um, for those people who are away from, from Devon who listen to the podcast, because there are quite a lot of, of you guys out there scattered around the country, around the world, in fact, um, we'll try and work out a way where we can send maybe a PDF of this, that spread or something. We'll work out a way of getting it to you as well, the, the quiz. Oh, we can do that. I'm sure we can do that. There must be a way. If we've managed to cobble this together with a phone and a laptop and a notebook, and uh, if it's going to sound okay, we should be able to manage that, shouldn't we? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, I have complete faith in our ability to, <laughs> to, to get out. I wish I did. We'll find a way somehow, even if we've got to drive <laughs> it up to you or something like that. 
All right. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for um, for patching in. I can't see you, but, um, you know, give that dog a little tickle behind the ears for me. And uh, we'll be back podcasting again next week. Cheerio. Thanks for your time. And as ever, come on, you yellows. Come on, you yellows. There you are, you see. <laughs> I'll the, get it right one week. The delay got us again. Cheers, all. You've been listening to the Herald Express, Devon Live, Talker United, Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by David Thomas and Guy Henderson. You can find this podcast by clicking devonlive.com or by following us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash DL or on Twitter at TQHE Sport. You can also subscribe on iTunes, search for Talker United on the iTunes app. Please leave us a review wherever you can. We welcome all feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Join us again next week.